Good morning. It's nice to see everyone looking refreshed after that extra hour of sleep. But I have a feeling there's a few of you here that think this is really the 1045 service. (laughs) But I, for one, am glad that we were able to change those clocks last night. Not because I like the uh, days getting shorter. Not that I'm able to often take advantage of that extra hour of sleep but because getting up in the dark for those last few weeks has really begun to affect my state of mind. And I was reading a statistic that said that for people in the northern U.S., that probably up to 20% of us experience some form of seasonal affective disorder, or SAD, S-A-D for short. You've got the diminishing amount of daylight and the absence and the abundance of darkness that results in the winter blues and blahs. So the acronym SAD or SAD is certainly appropriate. For the men this year, there is an additional heightened risk of experiencing SAD or SAD this fall. For when your wife finds out that you were the only man who didn't attend the men's retreat, your seemingly apathetic decision will result in some somber, aggravating days filled with several awkward discussions with your seriously annoyed darling who has suddenly an agitated disposition. But I encourage you, if you're not signed up, there's still a time, there's still a week, and you can avoid all of these symptoms. But while we may laugh and be aware of the impact that the seasonal changes has on our physical and emotional health, this morning I want to look at how our spiritual health is affected by the amount of darkness or the lack of light in our lives. For our text this morning, I want to use a familiar passage from Isaiah 9, one that is primarily used during Advent. Now, I realize in retail, as soon as Halloween is over, there's this immediate push to try to get Christmas out there in order to generate more sales. But I can encourage you and and assure you that the presence of this passage immediately following Halloween is not a ploy by the staff in order to get more time for Christmas carols or advertise. My hope and my purpose is that this passage will serve as a way for us to, to fight off spiritual affective disorder that we are vulnerable to when we take our eyes off the light that indeed pierces the darkness. Now that's my hope. If it doesn't work, you can chalk it up to my seasonal affective disorder. But if you haven't already, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. I believe it's found on uh, page number 926 of your pew Bible. And we'll be looking at the first seven verses. Chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land between the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in the darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. 
You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have taken as as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment roiled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. As we approach this amazing passage and the word of the Lord, let's take a minute just to prepare our hearts in prayer. Father God, it is easy for us to see the darkness around us. It is easy for us to feel like it is just overwhelming us. But Father, I pray that as we approach your word today, that we would understand that the light still shines brightly and that we can be encouraged by your presence with us here and always. And that we in turn can be those who bring light to those who are in the dark. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the prophecy from Isaiah came at a very dark time for the nation of Israel. The nation was divided. They had a history and a pattern of very disappointing leaders. And the future certainly did not look promising. But despite all the evidence to the contrary, Isaiah tells them that there is a reason for hope. That there will be a light that shines in the darkness. For the people of Israel at the time of Isaiah, the fulfillment of this prophecy would still need another 600 years. But this morning we need to see this text not just as ancient prophecy, but also as an ongoing promise for all of us today. And while some of what this prophecy announces will not be completely filled until Jesus returns, there is much here that we're able to celebrate and to realize. If you're looking for an outline this morning, I would say two points. The first point, light in the darkness. Light in the darkness. In the first three verses of this passage, Isaiah paints a picture of the Israelites' view of the world 600 years before the birth of Christ. In verse 1, he describes it as gloomy. In verse 2, darkness. And later, in verse 2, as deep darkness. Now that word deep darkness in the Hebrew is psalm which literally means dark as death. Or as you might have seen it translated in the 23rd psalm, shadow of death. It's like Isaiah is trying to paint this progressive picture of the darkness of the world, from gloom to grief, from distress to despair, 
in order to properly set up the contrast for the light which will indeed pierce it. We see that the Gospel of Matthew, as Matthew begins to talk about Jesus' ministry, uses these verses in order to usher in the light of the world. But in the next three verses, we see that Isaiah begins to discuss the results of this light coming. While there will continue to be darkness, the light will be a source of hope for the people. For those who experience this light, he offers two analogies of what it will be like. The first, it will be like harvest time, where the people can feel that they have adequately been provided for and their needs have been taken care of. And the second is at the end of a battle, at the end of the oppression from another one. There will be a time of not only peace, but understanding that there is no longer a need for the elements of war, that this peace is one that will last forever. Now both of these images would have been very comforting for the time for the Israelites at that time. For they were dealing with constant aggression from the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They were always being uncertain of where they would be. Their land was taken from them. They were taken into captivity. So the idea of an existence where their needs are always provided for, where they would be, where there was always peace, was something that they longed for. And the same can be true of us. Sometimes when we look around us, when we see the darkness of this world, it is overwhelming. And we do long for that day when Jesus will return and all the wrongs will be set to right and there will be peace that is without end. But I think this passage is also a helpful way for us to stay focused on the light despite the darkness around us. For that image of a harvest is helpful for us to understand that despite what we see around us, we understand that Jesus continues to provide for our needs. He continues to be the one to give us everything that we lack. But we also see what that harvest image is a reminder of our mission. That we are to continue to reap and to sow in order that more might come to Christ. But we also have that image of the battle. That image of the battle being won, the image of the battle being no longer need to be fought by us. That is again a reminder for us that Christ has won the battle over death and sin. That we no longer are needing to fight it on our own. Jesus has won it on our behalf. And that, too, should give us comfort in times of darkness. For we no longer need to stumble as one in the dark. We no longer need to fight with our guilt. All we simply need to do is to surrender it to Jesus. But unfortunately for us, we still live in a world full of darkness. We'll continue to see terrorist attacks. We'll continue to see disappointing presidential candidates will continue to see corporate greed. And for some of you, you are seeing the darkness in your own lives. 
a period of gloom that you are dealing with. Perhaps it's financial issues or health issues. Could be your children who are rebelling. Could be grieving the loss of a loved one. And some of you today perhaps have never ever experienced the light. You are trying to make sense out of your life. You are trying to find a purpose, find a fulfillment in your career, possessions, or other relationships. But the only way to get beyond the gloom, to find your way through a dark world, is to follow the light. And while Jesus, the true light, has come into the world, there will be a period of time before he returns that we will continue to deal with darkness. A helpful image of how we should approach our time in this dark world is offered by John Bunyan in Pilgrim's Progress. Christian says, as he is walking through a period of darkness, he says, his candle shines upon my head, and by his light I walk through darkness. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, he does not take us out of the darkness. He instead becomes light in the darkness. Let me offer to you perhaps three ways that you can avoid spiritual affective disorder. The first is increase your exposure to light. Spend more time reading God's word. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We don't need a full spectrum light. What we need is the whole counsel of God's will. Second, I would say get plugged in to community. Join a community group. Find a place to serve. Take one of the adult education courses that Angel promoted today. Because isolation is one of the greatest contributors to spiritual affective disorder and one that Satan uses effectively. The third is share the light with those who are still in the dark. Take time to share the hope you have with a co-worker, a neighbor, or a classmate. Second bullet point, shoulders are burdens. Shoulders are burdens. In the remainder of this passage, we have a beautiful image of the one who indeed will light the darkness. The very familiar verse, verse 6, a child is born, indicating again that the Lord will use one, Jesus Christ, who is both human and divine. And we see the role that he will play in our lives. He's a wonderful counselor who gives us wisdom and guidance. The Almighty God who is able to be the source of our strength and power. The everlasting Father who loves us, cares for us, and provides for all of our needs. And the Prince of Peace, the only one who can indeed reconcile us to the Father so that we can experience true peace. It says later in verse 6 that the government will be on his shoulders. And believe me, that is comforting as we come into Tuesday. 
where we don't know what will follow as a result of this year's election. But we can be certain that Jesus still has authority in heaven and on earth. And we see that in verse 7, this government, the Hebrew term Mishra, is really more than just what we would think of as a, as a civil structure. This is, this is dominion, this is power, this is everything that he has authority over. That this kingdom will be without end. And the peace will be without end. We no longer need to worry that our future is in the hands of flawed men and women. For Jesus shoulders our burdens. And when we still need to wait for a day when every earthly ruler will acknowledge the sovereignty of Jesus Christ, he has already assured us that he has overcome the world. But Jesus is not only able to shoulder the entire world, but he's able to carry your individual burdens. He's able to carry whatever you're struggling with today. Fear of the future, your recent health diagnosis, the salvation of your children, the guilt of your sinlessness. Sometimes each one of us feels that we are carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders. But Jesus encourages us to cast all of our burdens onto him. If you have been the victim of spiritual affective disorder, if you have allowed your faith to become dry, if you have never had faith at all, you do not need to worry about where to find Christ, for he will come looking for you. When we run away from Christ, when we wander aimlessly, even when we openly reject him, he continues to come back for us. And when he finds us, he carries us home on his shoulders. We see in Luke 15, 5, from the parable of the lost sheep, when he has found the lost sheep, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. But we also understand that God knew that we would be unable to save ourselves. So he put forth a plan of salvation that involved his only son. And this table here provides us a reminder of what Jesus did on our behalf. We no longer need to carry the weight of the guilt of our sin or our attempt to rectify the situation or earn our salvation. Jesus carried the cross on his shoulder and paid the price for our sins. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Medway Community Church would love to welcome you as our guest one day soon. Our church family meets every Sunday morning for worship and also offers a wide variety of small group and ministry opportunities. To learn more, please visit us on the web at medwaycommunitychurch.org. 
We look forward to seeing you soon. Washing all my shit.